Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Well, we just finished one of the most unusual days of the year on The Zone. We do it almost every year. Last summer was the exception. Pac-12 Media Day. Don't have the normal shows. One interview after another. It's crazy. Had a lot of good stuff yesterday. I'm going to start it off with Brett McMurphy. Writes for Stadium. Um, he's, he's a big-time presence on the national college football scene. And he joined me to talk about realignment, what it means for the SEC and Big 12, but what does it mean for the Pac-12? What can the Pac-12 do? What might the Big 10 do? How could this play out for schools like BYU and the Big 12? Is there a partnership there, or is the Big 12 going to come apart? Here's Brett McMurphy on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Brett, good morning. Hey, good morning. Uh, Before I get started, uh, two weeks ago, my family and I came out to Utah. We stayed in Park City. Uh, We were out there a week. I was able to visit my favorite Pac-12 conference school in Salt Lake City and also my favorite independent school in Provo. But without question, the highlight of my trip is I hit a golf ball further than I ever have in my entire life, and I absolutely loved it. So I guess we're out of time, so I'll talk to you next week. But thanks for having me on. (laughs) Well, well, Brett, when you drove to Park City, you drove within a mile of my house. I mean, I'd have bought you a meal. You've come on the show enough, and you've been a good enough guy to us. I absolutely would have bought you lunch. So uh, I will get on a plane right now and pick you up <laughs> Get that free lunch. All right. And uh, PK and I will uh, take you somewhere. I'm terrible, so I'll make you feel good about your game. PK's pretty good. He can probably give you a tip and actually make your game better. So, you know, we can do, we can do lunch and a round of golf next time you come. There are hey, I got it. so I got it. many I courses. It it's, yeah. just, uh, it's so beautiful out there. I, lo- I just love that area of the country. So. Well, I did want to anyway, ask you. before sure we want to talk about conference real life. We do, and absolutely. But before we do that, I'm curious. Because um, everyone feels it to a different degree, and I do to agree. I work at a local TV station here, in addition to doing radio. So when something like this happens, you know, when something big happens, you have to drop everything you're doing. This college football stuff, a lot of stuff goes down in the summer. Do you really get summer vacations? Or for guys, you know, there's probably ten to twenty of you who really do what you do at the level you do it. And anything happens anywhere in America, do you just have to like, yeah, never mind. I'm not going to the beach today. I'll be sitting over on this computer pounding out a story and doing interviews. I mean, how, yeah, how does it work for you? Exactly right. Yeah. Well, I mean, the good news about my job is I have a lot of flexibility. The bad news about my job is there's a lot of flexibility. So. Um, you know, you don't have a nine to five job. You don't turn off your phone at five o'clock. It's constantly on. You constantly have to be ready for the unexpected. So there, there's obviously good and bad to that. I mean, there are sometimes, um, you know, fortunately, a conference realignment didn't break when I was in Utah. But, um, you know, if I'm going to go, you know, out of, out of state, you know, I'm based in Florida. So if I'm going to go out of state for a week vacation with my family, you know, I do shut it off and shut it down. And if stuff happens and, it, you know, I can't report on it, so be it. But, you know, other than, you know, for a couple of weeks, you know, out of the year when you do that, you you know, you're basically on call. Um, it got to a point, you know, early in my career where my wife was like, you're not a doctor. You don't have to take everyone's call. I'm like, you don't understand. There's I'm talking to people out on the, the West Coast. They've got different times. Zone. You know, you're talking to people at the East Coast. So, and also with a lot of people, you've got one chance to get a call or get a text. And if you don't respond at that time, you may not hear from them for another week. So, 
Um, look, I'm not going to sit here and bellyache about it. I, I love what I do, and it's it's great. And, um, you know, it's just the nature of the beast. And, you know, you're right. It's it's going to get a lot more active now that Texas sent our year to the SEC, and we see what happens in the other leagues. So I talked to somebody who's well-versed in all this kind of stuff, far more better-versed than I, and they said it's like squeezing an orange. You got all the juice out of this orange. Oklahoma and Texas – they're kind of a one-off, and obviously we know why the SEC wanted to do that. But to think that all these other leagues are now going to react, there's like no moves available to counter Oklahoma and Texas unless the Big Ten or, Notre, or ACC lands Notre Dame. But other than that, there's nothing. People have to look at other ways to unlock value. Do you think that's true? Is that what you're hearing about the ACC adding West Virginia or the Big Ten or Pac-12 taking some of these other Big 12 schools or rating each other or whatever yeah i think that person you talk to they're they're accurate in what they said however i don't think anyone really knows definitively yet um if adding additional schools is going to help you know the, the conferences you talked about the big 10 the acc the pac-12 i mean ultimately those those ad's those commissioners the presidents are having those discussions right now they're going to their tv consultants trying to break down the numbers. Heck, I guarantee you, they're going to their TV partners, they're going to ESPN, they're going to Fox, whoever they're aligned with, and saying, okay, look, our conference makeup is now 12 schools. It's now 14 schools, whatever the number is. And if we go at team A, B, C, or D, or any combination of those teams, how does that change the value of our contract per school? You're not going to add schools that bring you less money per team so that's something they're looking at. I don't know the answers to that. Um, but then the other thing, which makes this round of expansion different than the others, is you know the SEC smart. They knew, and I thought this for some time. I thought it had died down, but obviously it didn't. I thought at some point we'd get to these 16-team super conferences. So if you're the SEC, if you're Texas or Oklahoma, do you want to be the first conference to get to 16 where you get the top two choices? Or do you want to wait and be the last one to get to 16, and then your options are not so great? Um, if that's the case, um, you know, then you have to wonder if the Big Ten and Pac-12 will react just to get to 16, um, just for security reasons. So the craziest things I heard that still seem plausibly possible are that the Big Ten could raid the Pac-12 for four, six, or eight teams, or some of the top teams in the Big 12 could pull away and you could have two divisions of eight or ten and have this mega conference that I guess goes from Penn State to USC. Uh, There was that, and that the fear of that should drive other teams to accept that the scheduling agreement that the two leagues almost did, that then they didn't do a few years ago, they need to put that in play. They need to go to eight conference games and create more intersectional games, 10 Power 5 games, mostly have those non-conference games be Big Ten versus Pac-12. But USC and Stanford are going to keep playing Notre Dame, and you want them to because that brings a lot of value. Utah's got Florida scheduled. There's some other things like that. But that they need to create this, whether it's 14, 16, 18 games a year, whatever it is, this scheduling agreement, and then they need to take the TV packages uh, to bid together as one contract. And that they would be, and I, I don't have the legal background to know anything about this, but 
they would be protected against antitrust because the SEC is the big dog. No one can say you've got a monopoly when the SEC is sitting over there. Uh, they're like-minded. They've had the relationship with the Rose Bowl they're on their campuses with the presidents, the regents, the faculty. They do like to say we do things differently. So don't go down the road the SEC is going. Do this where you link up even more together without raiding each other and kind of um, you know revealing yourself to be the capitalist that you are. Does that strike you as plausible? Is that anything you've heard, or is that just way too outside the box? Uh, it's not outside the box, but the, the one thing that keeps that from happening, there's no commissioner of college football. There's nobody that's overlooking what's best for college football. Everyone's basically seeing what's best for the Pac-12, what's best for the SEC, and rightfully so. You have no... You really have no responsibility to, well, if I'm going to add Oklahoma, Texas, is that going to hurt the Big Ten? You, you can't think like that. If you do, then the Big Ten's going to add Oklahoma, Texas. So what you said makes sense, but until we get kind of a czar of college football that kind of over, oversees everybody, I don't think that will happen, unfortunately. Two commissioners and 26 schools would all have to get on the same page, and that doesn't seem possible. <laughs> I, I get your point there and what the holdup would be there. Uh, so... Do you think the Big 12 is going to, and this is really important to a lot of BYU fans, do you think the Big 12 is going to try to add two or four teams and stay together? Are they all off shopping for new homes? Or, this seems most likely in my mind, both those things will happen at the same time, and these teams will have to decide, do we really want to jump in this boat, or is this boat about to come apart? Um, kind, of, kind of all of the above. Basically... The Big 12 future is dependent on the Big 10, is dependent on the ACC, is dependent on the Pac-12. If any of those leagues decide to expand and pick off members from the Big 12, then the Big 12 will implode. If none of those other power conferences decide that what you mentioned, that none of these other schools bring value to their leagues and they're going to stand pat at 12 or 14 or whatever number they're at, then the remaining Big 12 schools – um, we'll be fine. They'll have eight members. You know, heck, bring back the old Big 8 logo. Um, and then what they've got to decide is, moving forward, again, they now have to ask the question, does it add value to their league to add whatever group of five teams that they would want to add to their conference? Um, does it add them more value per school by adding a Cincinnati or a, US, uh, or a UCF or a Boise State or a BYU or are they actually going to make more money per school by remaining at eight? How much security is there in remaining at eight? Those are questions they've got to answer. Um, but to use the cliche, they don't control their own fate. They don't control their own destiny. If any of those power leagues decide to expand and pick off some of their teams, then they'll splinter and we'll probably go from 10 FBS conferences to nine in the next three or four years. Brett McMurphy, National College Football Insider, writer for Stadium Network, joining us. As these new TV deals um, get cut, CBS is obviously losing their SEC game of the week. Are they going to be a bidder for the Big Ten and the Pac-12 and maybe some other conferences, or are they going to get out of college football? Because obviously more bidders gives the conferences more leverage to get more money. Uh, They may not get out of it, but they're certainly not going to pay what they paid the SEC. So they could go to these conferences and say, okay, look, we have an interest in, in doing your games, but you're not getting SEC money. That's why they got out of it. ESPN, 
um, through more money at the SEC, and that's why the SEC left. So I don't. I haven't. I've talked to people. I don't know if what CBS's strategy is. If they're just basically going to not do football, college football anymore. Um, obviously, CBS Sports Network, which is a much smaller mm-hmm. um, division of CBS Sports, they have deals with Group of Five leagues and 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 do games like that. But um, yeah, I don't think I don't foresee them automatically saying, "Okay, we were going to offer," you know, make up a fictitious number. We're going to offer a hundred million to the SEC. Um, well, they're not doing our games anymore, so now we're going to offer this hundred million to the Big Ten or the Pac-12 or whoever it may be, uh, that's to be determined. But, you know, one optimistic thing, certainly for the Pac-12 and and uh, the Big Ten and other leagues that are redoing their rights deals in the coming coming years, you know, there, there continues to be this talk that Amazon or Apple or even Netflix, you know, some of these streaming services that you would think they're not going to have live sports, they there's still continual talk that, behind the scenes that these guys will at some point jump into live TV rights. And if that happens, then that would obviously be a tremendous opportunity for any of these leagues. And financially, you know, you know how well all those folks are doing right now. So could they make more going through a subscriber service? Possibly. Absolutely. Um, Would fan bases have to get used to you know, turning on Netflix or Amazon to watch their games? Absolutely. Would it matter? No, because people will be able to watch it on their device, whether it's a TV, cell phone, you know, whatever app or device you have. Um, and I think that's what the Pac-12 is hoping for. I know that's what the Big 12 was hoping for when they were going to do their media rights deal before Oklahoma and Texas left. So at least there's some you know, there's a light at the end of the tunnel, and I don't necessarily think it's a it's a train right now. The best acronym I've heard in a long time for what they might do to cable, satellite, and over-the-air TV is FANG. Facebook, Amazon, Netflix, and Google. Yeah, <laughs> you're right. <laughs> the FANG. I left out Facebook. Facebook's already doing Major League Baseball games. So, yeah, it's anything's possible. And you know what bottom line is? Whatever pays the most money, whatever brings in the most revenue, that's what these leagues are going to do. Brett McMurphy, National College Football Insider and writer for Stadium Network. And, of course, Stadium's had some Utah State games, so some of you are familiar with them. Brett, thanks for a few minutes. And when you're back in Utah, lunch, golf, you know, whatever you want. You got it. I'll take you up on that. All right. There's Brett McMurphy. If you missed part of that interview, like all the other interviews, it's up at 1280thezone.com or wherever you get podcasts. Coming up next, the new Pac-12 commissioner, George Klavkov. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280, The Zone. Well, 
Pac-12 Media Day had a new look. It had a new commissioner, and he's got a new message. George Klyavkov, the new Pac-12 commissioner right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We love our college, college football. football is it's, so it's huge. huge. I, uh, I grew up in Phoenix, worked in the L.A. market, moved to Salt Lake um, 28 years ago, and to see this community just blossom into a college football community has just been so fun. I've heard such amazing things about the game day atmosphere. Can't can't wait to experience it. It really is something. I mean, the program has just grown immensely right. in the time we've been doing this. It's a, it's a lot of fun. Great. Uh, new Pac-12 commissioner, George Klyavkov. How did I do? I've been practicing. I That's pretty good. I, I, I tell everyone it took me nine years to learn how to say it properly, <laughs> so if you get in the first couple tries, awesome. All of our listeners in, in Salt Lake know that I really struggle with names. It's really a thing with me, so I did. I practiced it, so I'm glad I, I did all right. All but, good. Uh, so this last week has been uh, you haven't been busy at all, right? You haven't, you haven't <laughs> no, taken nothing. any phone calls, nothing. You know, I, I was completely prepared for media day. Uh, five days ago, we had done all our work. I had done all my prep, and then uh, I had to throw everything away and start again. Uh, you know, coming into the job, I knew there were going to be two or three issues that maybe in my first year that are going to be complex and revolutionary for college athletics I'd have to deal with. Didn't anticipate six or seven of them in the first three weeks, but that's all right. We'll figure it out. It's a good challenge. So here you are, and last week was the explosive news. We all know about it with Oklahoma and Texas. What trickle-down ramifications do you need to address immediately if there's any? Yeah, I'm not sure anything needs to be addressed immediately. Uh, So here are my thoughts. My thoughts are uh, immediately with Texas and Oklahoma moving to what looks like it is the SEC, uh, I think that helps us, right? I I think we're the only conference that has teams that play in the Mountain Pacific Division. It's unique. I think if there's chaos in the East, that helps us. Uh, I think if there's consolidation among conferences, uh, that helps us. Um, We also feel like we don't need to add teams for the purpose of adding teams, right? If someone else has 16 or 18, I don't think that means we need to have more than 12. So we start with the uh, conception that, you know, being in the Pac-12 is a golden ticket and the people who are here are great and we have a good tight conference and we need to be better in men's basketball and we need to be better in football. But uh, I love the way we are situated today. I am not actively going out and trying to poach any other teams, but I wouldn't be doing my job. I wouldn't be um, kind of following my fiduciary obligations to our schools if I wasn't listening to incoming requests. And my phone's been exploding in the last five days. How important is it, do you think, to be adaptable? Because it just seems, and we're not behind the scenes, obviously, but it seems like what's true today is not true tomorrow. And these are all major, major issues. Is that something that that is going to be of value as you uh, get into this job? Yeah, I I think it's two things. I think it's flexibility, but I think it's also creativity. I think, you know, for us, the solution for this will be a creative solution that may or may not include adding teams. I think there are ways to protect yourself, uh, kind of draw a ring fence around what you have, strengthen yourself necessarily without uh, adding teams. So you mentioned Mountain and uh, Pacific. Pacific. Now, you said divisions, but that could be time zones, too. Uh, Is there value or how much value, if it should come to it, would there be in central time zone? Yeah, so I think the reason to expand, uh, maybe the only reason to expand, would be to get into a fertile recruiting territory that we're not currently in and to expand into a third time zone. Those would be the two obvious reasons why you would expand. I think the criteria on expansion is probably different for us than it is for some of the other Power Five conferences. I think some of the other conferences focus almost exclusively on economics. That's important to us. 
but so is academics, uh, athletics across the board, and kind of cultural fit. I think those are important as well. And the important part about the financial metric, which is absolutely an important criteria, is this is not about making the pie bigger. This is about making each piece of the pie bigger. And you have to bring on teams, if that's what you decide to do, that increase the pie so big that it offsets adding teams that you have to share it with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, if if I well let me uh, let me ask this question. Uh, you mentioned earlier in in some comments that this is a football league, and I think that's music to a lot of people's ears because that's not what your predecessor really sold. Yeah. Can you elaborate on that and what you mean by this is a football league? Yeah, I don't, I don't remember saying this is a football league. I saw it got reported, but I don't think I said that. Uh, I think what I said is that we're going to have a new focus on being really good at men's basketball and football and winning championships if we can in those two sports, which we haven't done in a long time. And I think that's the greatest weakness of our league. And the other thing is, I think we can walk and chew gum at the same time. I think we can do those two things and focus on those two sports without giving up the dominance we have over all of the other sports. You know, 56 of the last 60 years, the Pac-12 has uh, had more or uh, the, sec- you know, the, si- the same as any other conference in the highest number of NCAA titles. Right? That, that's a unique position to be, and we're proud of that. We're not giving that up, but that doesn't mean we can't focus at the same time on being better in men's basketball and better in football. And that was part of the announcements today, the announcement of forming a football working group to review everything we do at the conference level, every decision we make, to position ourselves, not for parity, which it strikes me has kind of been the positioning uh, previously, but for getting CFP invites and for winning national championships. So you said your phone has been blowing up the last week or so. I'm wondering if you are making calls, not to those ones out there, but to people into your own house, so to speak, to make sure they're happy. Well, I've had meetings with presidents, chancellors, uh, meetings with the ADs, coaches. Uh, I think people are happy. Uh, Time will tell, but obviously protecting the 12 that we have is a very, very important part of any expansion discussion. Uh, you know, we discussed it on the air when, when you were hired, given your background and the important media rights deal that, that is coming up and to be negotiated or is in progress. Can you give us kind of a, a status update? And do you feel like your background does put you in a position of strength for that? Absolutely. I do, I do think it does. I think that's probably the primary reason I was hired. But um, I think the underlying macro trends about the distribution of video are working in our favor and actually call for a delay in the process. There's no reason to rush to the market now because every month that market gets better. There are more and more players who are combining uh, video content and selling it on a subscription basis directly to customers and there's less and less relevant content that the traditional linear players have to differentiate themselves and um, those two trends I don't see ending in the next three years and we have incredibly unique content. Uh, You know, the highest value content for any of these bundled services is live sports. It's a unique asset. It's something you can have exclusively if you negotiate the rights to it. It is something that is DVR proof, so people don't skip through ads, so it's more valuable to the advertisers. It it attracts an incredible demographic, particularly if you're uh, selling to Pac-12 alumni and fans. We have some of the best demographics in the world. We have great media markets. And I think we're in a unique position uh, compared to any other conference of owning all of our media rights. And 
you know, we're kind of paying the price for it now because we got lapped on the number of dollars that are being distributed from TV rights to each of the schools. Um, probably shouldn't have done a 12-year deal. Easy to say that in hindsight. Uh, but, but it puts us in a unique position where we're going to continue to trail in those dollars for the next couple of years, but we'll be in a perfect position when those rights come up three when years from up, now. Yeah. And obviously distribution of the Pac-12 network has been a big-time issue. It seemed like for the first six years, every time we met with Larry, what about DirecTV? So this is yep. the first time we're meeting you. What about DirecTV? Yeah, un- unfortunately, I can't fix that. Uh, and I'm just going to be transparent about that. The original distribution deals were done with terms that made it make it economically impossible to add new distributors uh, it, uh, for the for the network until those rights come up. So I want to set expectations with our fans that if they want the Pac-12 network, they're going to have to sign up with one of our current distributors. Uh, we'll fix that uh, as part of balancing revenue and uh, kind of competitive advantage and also uh, kind of wide distribution when we renegotiate the media rights deals. But there's no way I can fix that now, unfortunately. Okay. Well, real quick before we let you go, you liking the gig? Yeah, it's great. You know, it's it's two of my passions, right? I'm incredibly passionate about college athletics. Uh, you know, I was not a very good athlete, but I was a college athlete and learned a lot from being a college athlete that I think has helped me be a better business person, certainly a better father. Um, and, you know, the, the other thing that I'm really passionate about is education uh, that was inculcated in, in me by my parents and um, there's a unique kind of mission in this job that I haven't had in any of my other jobs which is if my colleagues and I do our jobs really well we create more dollars that we can distribute to the schools those dollars go to create scholarships or protect scholarships and the idea that if I do my job pretty well more deserving young men and women get to go to a college they otherwise wouldn't get to go to pretty special yeah. so you got the MGM in the Vegas background I was wondering the Stones are coming to Allegiant on November 6th. Can you set me up? You know, uh, Allegiant is not one of the 37 uh, venues that I ran. Uh, so I ran a lot of venues, but Allegiant was not one of them. I, I'm looking for my way to get a backstage pass. Swing and a miss, PK. Swing and a miss. I don't need backstage. Somewhere in the stadium. Will do. Because uh, I yeah. got tickets to uh, a concert at the Cosmopolitan on the 5th of November, since I'm going to be down there. Yeah. Not a try. Uh, Don't blame your brother. And those guys are getting old. (laughs) That's true. Well, it's the seventh farewell tour, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I want to be there. Let's hope there's an eighth. Why not? Yeah, there you go. Uh, Commissioner, thank you very much. It's a pleasure to meet you. Thanks for jumping on with us. Thank you, guys. uh, Yeah, great event. Congratulations. Thank you. There's the Pac-12's new commissioner. When we come back, a familiar face. Utah's football coach, Kyle Whittingham and Britton Covey. A couple revealing interviews. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280, The Zone. All right, Britton Covey and Kyle Winningham sat down with Jake and PK as all the Pac-12 coaches and players rotated through at Pac-12 Media Day. Uh, I thought Britton Covey did a great job about talking about his teammates. Uh, Like Joe Ingles, he has a knack for being interesting and telling the truth while still being a good teammate. And you're going to learn some stuff about his new teammates, including the new quarterback. 
Here's Britton with PK and Jake. Mr. Four Handicap, from what I hear. Yeah, we were talking about that earlier uh, in the day. Chase, the way, who was it, Garbers? Uh, yeah, it was Garbers. Britton yeah. Covey jumping on with us. Uh, and, uh, yeah, we were talking handicaps with Garbers, and he said, yeah, you're, you're carrying about a four these days. Yeah, well, that's my current. Sometimes I wonder, what's the point, though? Why did I even get down to a four handicap? Like, what am I going to do with that skill? So, oh, no, I'll beat up on your coach. He thinks he's a player, but he's not. <laughs> right. We actually have. I organized a player versus players versus coaches scramble this week. That's on what Thursday. I heard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Ooh, where is players it be? versus coaches. I know. Okay. Where's it going to be? It's be Eaglewood Golf Course up sure. in North Salt Lake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got Drew, the, Drew Lisk coming back. So hopefully that gives us a little bit of firepower. Who's a player on your team? Uh, I'd say the the best player is probably Charlie Vincent, running back for East, who's now running back for the U, and then uh, Charlie Brewer actually is Brewer's probably the player? best. Yeah, Brewer's a pretty good player. Okay. So. I would say those guys. Most of the other guys can't hit the ball much, but. <laughs> <laughs> but those guys can play? Those guys can play, yeah, yeah. All well, right. Get well, Whittingham in the trap and you'll be fine. <laughs> you'll struggle. Uh, so, hey, excited uh, to have you here with us. Uh, it, you know, is it, it's got to be nice to get back to a season, you know, starting with Media Day that's a little bit on the normal side, right? Oh, yeah, it's crazy. I mean, I was supposed to do this last year and it was all virtual. I didn't even feel like I did it. So, I was really excited to come here and. I don't know. I, I feel like I've done a lot of interviews in my career, and so it kind of just feels more normal. I used to get super nervous before things, and now I just realize that people just want you to be yourself and stuff. And so uh, it's also fun to be with the other guys. You know, there's 22 yeah. other players here. It's fun to be a, here in a non-competitive atmosphere with them. Yeah, I've and, heard uh, a lot of guys say that, and I don't because they know we're a Salt Lake station, but there's been about four or five of them that brought up your name. Oh, really? And your their interactions with you. Yeah. Oh, well, that's nice of them. I, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I think they just get a, a kick out of me, probably because I am goofy. And you're but, small. Yeah, small. <laughs> you're different. Goofy. Yeah, maybe a little bit. So <laughs> losing my hair. Yeah. Already. And you're old. <laughs> right. But all, all preseason, all conference, twice, might I add. Uh, is it pretty cool to? Uh, I, I guess the you know the recognition might be old hat to you at this point, but uh, pretty cool to have some high expectations set by uh, the folks who consume this conference. I think so. Honestly, sometimes I I prefer it not not that way because that's how it was my whole life. But at the same time, it's it's kind of a testament to what I've done. Um, because my whole life, I was never on those lists. I, was, I wasn't highly recruited. I was a two-star coming out of high school. No one expected me to play my freshman year. And then coming back from my mission, everyone expected me to play poorly. Coming back from my ACL, everyone. So having some expectations to me is a sign of respect and, you know, that I've kind of overcome certain things that people didn't think I would. Uh, so I, I think that's just become a pattern in my career, I guess. Well, you're a highly skilled player. I mean, we still reference back to sitting up in the press box in the Coliseum and that punt return against SC. And, you know, I can go on and on. Really, the only thing that has derailed you has been injuries. Right. Uh, and I don't know if it's just circumstance, it's your size or what, but if you can find us your way to stay on the field, you will be productive. I don't think there's any question about that. Can you stay on the field, man? What do you right. need to do to make sure that you're out there those 12 games? Right. 
Well, you know, it, what's interesting is everybody likes to bring up the, the games where I've been hit way hard and things like that. Washington. Washington <laughs> and, and Washington State last year. Yeah. I've never missed a game or a play or anything from hits. Right. I've never missed. It's all been my ACL and then a couple soft tissue injuries. So, you know, the concept of getting injured because you're taking hits to me isn't isn't correct as much. It's so you don't you, worry about that. You don't worry about that as much. You do worry about it for sure. You got to be smart. You know, my old high school coach texts me after every game to run out of bounds and things like that. <laughs> so you got to be smart. But it's the soft tissue, small muscle groups. Those are the things that you got to work on. Because I've missed a game because of a or two games because of a hamstring. I've missed my ACL and then I missed a game because of a groin and and so that's what I've been focusing on this season, the last six months. So I, I hired a personal trainer, Dr. Skyler Main, and he specializes in that. We just do a lot of hips and hamstrings, groins. Uh, because that's been the only thing that's taken me out, really. Chase Hansen had a term uh, he used one time when I was interviewing him. And rather than rehab, he called it prehab. Yes, yeah, that definitely. And that's the biggest difference between my body now and in high school or freshman year. I need prehab. You know, back in the day, I could just go out, no warm-up, nothing, and I was totally fine. But now you you got to go in an hour before every practice at least, and you got to get foam rolling, stretching, getting these muscle groups firing. So, yeah, I Before agree with Chase. every practice, you're saying, too? Not Before just every games. practice, oh, yeah. Okay. Before every right. practice. That, that's how you stay healthy. So I've been healthy for about seven, eight months now. We'll keep it going. So this is this is a hard question to ask because of it's just such a sad story. But Ty Jordan was such a big part of the offense last year, and he was a star. I mean, he was he was just incredible, and that's why there's a big on-field component because he was so good. But you know, I guess talk about the challenge of going into the season offensively without a player like that. Yeah. Well. It definitely changes the dynamic because you can use a player like Ty in so many different roles, especially with how many different skill sets he had. Uh, The good thing is we have more depth this year on the offensive side of the ball than any year that I've come through. Uh, And I don't want to – I've learned not to, you know – speak too highly of things before things come to pass, you know, from my past interviews and things. Um, but the depth on the offensive side of the ball is what's really impressive this year. So we're going to have three tight ends that can play. You're going to have eight receivers that can play, and there's no drop-off between the one and the two. You're going to have um, three running backs, maybe four running backs, that are all consistent. So what you lose in a playmaker like Ty, I think you make up for in depth and in rotations and having to have guys fresh rather than just focusing on how can we get this one player the ball. So it, it is tough to, to, to lose that part of your Such offense. Such a tough story. A lot of focus on yeah. the quarterback as you know. I, I got to admit that I'm a, I'm a little bit skeptical and you can answer this question that I'm going to get to as I set it up. You know, I know Brewer's coming in and he threw uh, for a ton of yards, but I sort of view the Big 12 as like the Colorado Rockies in baseball. Their stats at home are always way better than their stats on the road because of the altitude and whatever. And I view Big 12 quarterbacks, I have a little bit of skepticism Mm -hmm. because it's like they don't play any defense in that conference the way (laughs) other conferences do. So I don't know what to make of all these yards that he threw for because I don't know that I believe in the defenses the way he's going to face better defenses, I believe, in the Pac-12. But you've been with this kid. Now, we 
we haven't been normally. We could go to spring ball, right. but we haven't been able to do that. And so we didn't see him last year because he wasn't on the team. You're there. What do you? I don't even know if he'll win the job, but if he does, what yeah. do you see from this kid? Well, the first thing that I noticed from Charlie was, and this was always hard for me to do as a quarterback in high school, but I always should have done better at it, was you, you trust your matchups. Um, even if even if that means just throwing it up to a guy. So, for example, I had Samson Nakua in high school as a receiver. I literally could have just thrown it up every play, but I would I would wait until he was open, to, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, for that reason, I had a great completion percentage, but I also missed a lot of opportunities, I feel like. Charlie's really good at understanding matchups to where it's just, you know, yeah, it's going to be this coverage, but at the end of the day, I trust my guy more than I trust this DB. Uh-huh. And you see that in his quick decision-making. It's like he doesn't overcomplicate things. He sees a matchup with Vele on the outside with someone, and he's like, oh, I'm taking that. Um, and I think that comes from experience. You go look at his film at Baylor, lots of fades, lots of inside fades, lots of red zone fades, um, post routes, kind of jump ball type things where he just trusts, he gets to know his players and he trusts them. Um, and I don't think that's going to change. Now, uh, the other thing is, is he's really good at simplifying, I said this before, simplifying defenses. Um, there's, you know, people try and disguise things. But in college, you still can get away with most of your reads being pre-snap. Um, and I know Tyler Huntley was that way. I mean, the vast majority of his reads were pre-snap. And uh, as long as you can put the ball on the money, you, you'll be fine. And it's interesting because Charlie doesn't have the strongest arm I've ever seen. He's not the tallest I've ever seen. He's not the most athletic I've ever seen. But he, he plays a lot like Tyler in that he simplifies the offense. Um, I'm, I'm with you, though. I like slowing down the hype train on things till we see. I think that's important. I think that's good for Charlie, especially because Cam Rising is a great player. Right, you know, he right. knows the offense like the back of his hand right now. Mm-hmm. And uh, there really will be a competition there. Um, so I like slowing it down, not trying to hype things up too much. But I also can speak for Charlie in the sense that there's a reason he has 9,000 career passing yards. And uh, there's a reason he is so highly touted. Well, Britton, uh, thank you for jumping on with yeah, us. We appreciate we it. It's already? great to see you. Yeah, I mean, there you got people. He's got started. Know, He's Britton freaking Covey. Yeah. Talk to him all day. Go ahead. What, what, what one thing do you want to ask Britton yeah, Covey? Okay, another here. thing that I don't like to hype up is performances in the spring game. Oh, because, absolutely. Because I've seen guys that just go crazy and they, they don't do as much. But this Vele kid caught my eye. Yeah. Is How real is he? Well, here's the thing. Vele has performed in every practice for the last year and a half. Um, I've talked with Vele about this personally, so I don't, you know, when he gets into a game, he gets a little bit nervous, and I'm helping him with that right now because when I say, like, I've never seen potential in someone like I have in Vele, he's got the same body type as, like, a Tim Patrick. Uh When we go play pickup ball, he's doing through-the-leg 360 dunks. Like, he's the most athletic player you'll meet. Um... And when he gets out on the field in practice, he just dominates. I mean, he would route up Jalen Johnson and Julian Blackman. Um, I've heard of those guys. (laughs) Yeah, no, no, he really, but he needs that to carry over to the game where he has that confidence. So I think it's more of a mental thing right now where he's working through that. And I, I, you know, I'm fine with the height team being slow, but he's one I can say with confidence that at some point he's going to break out. Um, because of how good he is, especially if we use him right. I mean, you throw a jump ball to Vele in the red zone, 
it's a 80% chance he catches it, 20% chance it's incomplete. They're not intercepting that ball. Like, it's the most safe play you can do. So I hope we do things like that cool. with him. Britton, you're the best. Thanks, buddy. Thanks, we appreciate guys. you. Hey, good luck this year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good luck okay. this year. Talk we appreciate soon. you. There's Britton Covey. Now here's the head coach, Kyle Whittingham. Coach Kyle Whittingham <laughs> joining us now from Pac-12 Media Day. Hi, Coach. How you guys doing? We're good. Looks We're like good. you're having a lot of fun over here. Yeah. You know what? <laughs> good times. This, so this day is fun for us regardless because we get to geek out and talk to all the sure. know, different important yeah. people. But doesn't it feel amazing that we're back here uh, that it, we got some normalcy on the horizon coach we're talking about a 12 game season it just feels good it does it's refreshing to be back uh, to some sense of normalcy and i'm so sick of zoom i could oh. i could vomit oh. and so uh i'm just hoping this is a sign of things to come for the season a freaking men, no doubt yes. about that. We're all excited. I believe your team has an opportunity to be in the thick of things. We'll see how it plays out. That's probably, uh, I think it's a fair assessment. You can be really good. you got to go get the job done. I don't think you would have disagreed with that. Uh, off the bat, first off, I want to talk about the quarterback deal. Uh, obviously, you got a, you got a competition. There's a reason why Cam Rising won that job last season, and I had heard we weren't allowed to go, but i got people who tell me stuff, <laughs> and, you know, his incredible accuracy and all that type of stuff and obviously it, that's what you guys saw and you made that decision and then unfortunately he got hurt but I'm thinking I hear that his health is back and so uh, Charlie Brewer's got a lot of run but Rising's right there too. Absolutely and uh, you know you got to remember that uh, as good a spring as Charlie had this year Cam had that good a spring last year in, in 2020 and as well a fall camp you know he put together an outstanding fall camp ended up winning the job like you talked about got hurt early in that uh, first game, the USC game, yeah. significant injury. I mean, that wasn't just a, a you know a, uh, an everyday type of injury. That was something that was significant. Not sure that he was going to recover for that or recover from that. So we went to the portal, got Charlie. Uh, Cam has since recovered. He's 100% medically, probably not 100% arm strength wise. He's probably 95% ish somewhere in there, but should be 100% by the onset of fall camp. And, uh, and then Charlie came in and made the most of his opportunity in this past spring. Was you know nearly flawless in the in the uh, in spring ball and, and was was uh, very good in the spring game and so uh, it's going to be those two guys splitting reps until we see separation and, uh, and then the subtitle of that or the subplot to that is for the number three spot we got the Jaquindon Jackson and Peter Costelli battling for for number three and four and so two good competitions going on but obviously the primary one is, is for that starting job so hard to ask about the running back position because Ty Jordan was so amazing and it's, right. just, it's just such a terrible story it's, it's yep. just hard to ask about it but he was so good last year and so productive you know it is a story on the field so we talk about the running back room and uh, how you uh, hope to replace some of that production yeah well first of all Ty was special I mean we've talked uh, a lot about that and I watched his, I watched his highlights just the other day and it's just incredible what uh, what he could do and and as a person and, and just as a, a personality on the football team so that was you know we're, we're just uh, still uh, just broken hearted and, and you had your guts ripped out by, by what happened but but as far as the room coming up this year, uh, we've really got uh, three or four guys that are in the mix. Makai Bernard is uh, the guy you talk about first. He's been in the program going on three years now. Uh, he is a tremendous talent, about 5'11", 200 pounds, uh, exceptional speed, great hands. Uh, we added T.J. Pledger from Oklahoma, uh, a terrific young or a terrific uh, running back that's a lot like, uh, if you remember, John White yeah. from 5'6", uh, 7", maybe longer than that, eight, ten years ago. 
A uh, Seahawk from L.A. Harbor. There you go. There you go. <laughs> L.A. Harbor Seahawk. And so that's uh, T.J. and then uh, Chris Curry, big back, that's uh, got some physicality to him from LSU. He, he's about 5'10", 215 pounds. Uh, added, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, just a, a couple of those those two transfers that really rounded out that room. And and uh, we, we did lose some running backs in the transfer portal, but, but we think our net result uh, when it all is said and done is we came out pretty good. Go big picture of the state of the program. You seemed like obviously you won the conference or the division a couple of times. Uh, this year you're picked second. Mm-hmm. Seems like you get enormous respect from everybody out there. It, does that really where, the, where you get that respect from? Just so many people uh, commensurate to where you think the program is and deserves to be respected. Well, I think we've certainly earned a lot more respect than when we entered the league. It seemed like uh, for the first three or four years, we were always picked last or second to last. And so I think we've come a long way since uh, 2010 or 11, whenever it was that we joined. Yeah. But uh, we don't really pay a lot of attention to the to the preseason uh, polls and predictions and that type of thing. But but uh, it is it is a positive to be uh, mentioned up there towards the top. That means your brand is, is growing and that people are taking notice of, of what you're doing. Yeah, the reason why I bring that that up though, Kyle, it's not necessarily to, to to tout some dumb preseason expectation, but it's more so in that you get a transfer from Baylor, you get transfers from Oklahoma, you get transfers from LSU. You know, those are big name programs, sure. and they want to come to the Utes. Yeah, exactly, and that's it's all part of it. And, and building your brand, we're constantly that's a that's a a, a job that's never finished. You're always trying to to uh, build your program and, and get your name out there. And we we it's like night and day the doors that we're able to get in and the type of players we're able to attract now as pre-Pac-12 days. Before the Pac-12, it was tough. We couldn't even have gotten the doorway of of, uh, many of the players that we got on our team. So I want to know, did you hypnotize Devin Lloyd to bring him back? Or are you just very persuasive, Coach? You know what? I left that all up to Devin. That was a tough decision for Devin. And, in fact, uh, every single player on our roster that was draft eligible decided to return. It's amazing. Had, had the guys wanted to come out, we probably would have had six, seven, eight draft choices. But uh, they all decided to return. And that uh, tells me I think they've got some unfinished business in their mind. That's, that's the mentality, and they want to come back and, and uh, finish this thing the right way. And it was just kind of a bad taste in everybody's mouth after last season, you know, just how, how things went down. One of the things I've noticed about you, you're not a big hype guy. And when you say player XYZ is going to be pretty good, it's normally it turns out that way. I can remember years ago, like first day of practice off the side, I said, hey, what about this one kid? He's on your two deep. He's a freshman. His name was Eric Rowe. Yeah. And you looked at me, oh, yeah, he's going to be a player. And he's still in the NFL, <laughs> right? And this time last year, you were pumping up Nate Ritchie. Big time. Yeah. So I assume when Nate Rich, I don't know where he's serving, but I know he's somewhere. Wherever he comes back, he's probably going to play and go off to the NFL. But my thought for you is he's gone now. So who in that defensive backfield is going to replace him to be a, an integral part in what you're trying to do defensively? Well, good question. And if you look at our roster and, and, and choose one spot that may not be as deep as you'd like, it'd be at the safety spot. And that's due to losing Nate Ritchie, as you mentioned, to the mission and losing R.J. Hubert uh, in the spring game to a significant knee injury, which will probably keep him out of the entire season. So we're going to have to have some guys step up. Uh, Vontae Davis played a lot of good football for us last year. He's a proven commodity. But the name you want to remember this year, Cole Bishop. Cole he's Bishop. a guy, yeah, he's a guy, a kid from Georgia. Uh, 
early entry guy came in January, had a terrific spring, and uh, between him and Kamoi Latu, we, you know, one of those two guys has to step up and, and fill that void that uh, R.J. Hubert created when he got injured. Of course, Utah-USC is always a, uh, a game that gets circled, you know, division rivals, of course, and... Uh here it's it's here in Los Angeles and someplace you haven't won in a long long time if, yeah. if ever uh, why why is it such a difficult place to play is it simply that they're always good or is it something else <laughs> probably both you know they're, they're always a good football team they've got uh, tremendous talent the roster is just riddled with five and four star players and uh, Coliseum is a tough place to play it's not necessarily the loudest but it's so steeped in tradition and and uh, you know the marching band and all they got going on down there makes it a difficult environment and and uh, We've been close down there, but we haven't got it done. And and uh, at some point, we got to uh, break down that wall. And uh, we'll see. Maybe it'll be this year. We'll see. Half a yard away a few years there ago. There you go. Yeah, there remember. you go. Uh, one of your guys a few years back said, don't read a whole lot into spring ball. It's not the best competition. So I remembered saying that. Well, the reason why I bring this up is I see this Vele kid, and you lost a couple of receivers to the transfer, and he looked outstanding. But I have a guy telling me, ah, be hesitant on spring ball how legitimate is this kid we love him and we think he's going to be a terrific player he's got size he's six foot four maybe a little better six four and a quarter uh, about 205 pounds runs uh, great routes he's four sub four five guy so he's got everything you look for in a receiver he just hasn't been able to put it together he's, he's had some injuries that have that have slowed him down but if he can stay healthy and continue on the trajectory that he's on it's gonna be a good football player for us Britton Covey was telling us he's doing 360 between the leg dunks and stuff. Like Britton is? Yeah. No, 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 Vele. Vele. Vele is. And yeah. He's a tremendous athlete, tremendous basketball player. And uh, we added a couple of really nice receivers, too, from the portal. Uh, Howard. Uh, yeah, exactly. Theo Howard and, and uh, Manir McLean, who's a, a tremendous player from the USC. And so uh, they weren't there at spring ball. But you, you'll see him this fall. I promise you that. Last thing for me, Coach. Are you excited about the renovated stadium, the new locker room? Can't wait. Can't stuff. wait. That's cool. an, after playing in front of nobody last year, to being able to play in, in you know with a fan with a packed house and that South Edition uh, is going to be incredible, and our players are really looking forward to that. Do you have any guys that are going to be question marks as far as being an arriving when we get to training camp in August? No. Sometimes you mention guys academically or eligibility whatever wise. Whatever might be, whatever. We should all be intact. Uh, a few guys injuries may be lingering where they won't be able to start right when fall camp starts. Okay. But we should pick them up you know soon soon there after. Coach, you're the best. Thank you so much. As always, good luck. Thank you. Appreciate you guys. All right, there's Kyle Winningham. When we come back, what is trending? All the headlines. Stay with us.